Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Bemez and Beamer here with you on WBEN. And all morning we were telling you about the CDC expected to release some evidence behind its decision to ask vaccinated Americans to wear a mask once again in some parts of the country, a majority of the country, actually. And we are starting to get a little bit of that information. um, And that's part of the reason why we're asking the experts, right, Joe? That's right. You know, you can hear us say the same thing, but when the experts say what we've been saying, <laughs> I think people listen a little better. I, yeah, it's uh, one thing to hear from me and Joe. It's another uh, to hear with from someone with an actual degree that's like framed on the wall, not shoved in a drawer somewhere. Uh, Dr. Amesha Dalja <laughs> is joining us now from Johns Hopkins University, uh, infectious disease specialist. Uh, and we're hearing a, a lot about this uh, CDC, which by, I guess first we should start off with. I, I, we've been talking about a mistake, on this show at least, by the CDC of how much harm would it have been to release this information a couple of days ago when you're making these changes in the first place or hold off on announcing the changes until this information was ready to be released because a few days after... Um, and saying, oh, we have the evidence coming, it didn't do a lot for confidence in that organization. Yeah, certainly that when that decision was announced and the updated guidance, many people wanted to know more about the science that was driving that decision-making process. And I think the CDC kind of made an unforced error here because it made it much harder to understand. It was confusing. And, you know, I still think I still have issues with that guidance, but being more transparent and proactive about really showing people the science as you make this decision would have, I think, blunted some of the criticism they got. And I think there's, I still have questions about the value of the guidance, but in general, I think that they, they had a communication error here with, with how you want to let the public know about major shifts in guidance. Speaking of that guidance, you said you still have some issues. What is your main issue uh, with that guidance and the message it puts out? Well, even by their own admission, when this is what they're talking about happening with vaccinated people is that there are some fully vaccinated people who get breakthrough infections that are associated with the same level of virus as people who were not vaccinated, which suggests that they could be contagious to others. They admit that this is a very rare occurrence and that it's not accounting for anything but a very small proportion of the transmission going on. So I don't know the value that you're going to get of having fully vaccinated people wear masks. 
in terms of the trajectory of the pandemic, because we are in a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is unvaccinated people who are infecting other unvaccinated individuals and who are the ones in the hospital. If you go through any hospital, and I'm sure that's the case in Buffalo, 99 or 96 percent plus are going to be not vaccinated. So this is something that illustrates that the vaccines are working because these breakthrough infections that are occurring are not clinically significant, meaning they're very mild or with no symptoms at all. And that's a win for the vaccine. And having vaccinated people wear masks, I think you can not necessarily make that guidance, but you can say if you're somebody that's fully vaccinated and you're in your immunocompromised, you maybe should be wearing a mask in high risk condition in high risk situations so you don't get a breakthrough infection. Because most of the other breakthrough infections are, are very mild. And I don't think that we want to be in the business of changing policy based on something that's very rare and it's kind of clinically inconsequential when we have this huge cyclone of a problem with the unvaccinated. And I think that's what we need to be focusing on. And I wonder also if the guidance is going to increase vaccine hesitancy because the people who aren't vaccinated now haven't seen the vaccine as a value. And now they're probably going to see it as less of a value, especially in those places in the country where there is higher substantial spread. What you're speaking to, it seems like there's the complete absence of what would have really been a very simple cost-benefit analysis of making this uh, announcement, uh, setting these guidelines where, uh, you know, what impact are we going to have on case rates? It seems like, you know, maybe minimal uh, judging on the not only the announcement, but who is likely to follow these new uh, rules or guidelines. And you're going to have a big impact on public trust in the vaccines. And I don't know how no one was, you know, raising their hand in the boardroom at all. It, it, to me, it's mind-boggling, and you know, I've taken some criticism for being not supportive of the CDC guidance, but that's exactly what I, what I see. I think they could have done this better. They could have said, there is this small risk. We're just letting you know about it. It doesn't change our guidance because it's really not something that's going to have a major impact on the trajectory of the pandemic. And you know, the, the real focus has to be on getting unvaccinated people to wear masks and get vaccinated. That's, that's, what's, that's what's causing our problem here. We're in a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and, and if and I think what we're finding is that we have a two-track pandemic. Some parts of the country, the Northeast particularly, are treating COVID more like other respiratory viruses because so many of their high-risk people have been vaccinated. But other parts of the country have been resistant to that. And it's the same parts that were resistant to masks earlier. They're resistant to vaccines. And I don't really know how you're going to – it's becoming more and more challenging because some of those people are going to dig their heels in even further. And now that they're being told that if you – suppose you live in Missouri and you get fully vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask that's going to be something that they're not going to probably take to very well, even though we have seen some uptick in vaccinations. I, I think we're in a very odd place in this pandemic, and it's really, uh, it's really sad because we have a 21st century solution to this pandemic, the vaccine, but yet we're kind of reverting back to these primitive solutions like, like masks. You know, talking about the uh, the messaging, and you put this in your piece in, in The Hill, um, which is at my Twitter, at the Joe Beamer, um, and you're talking about breakthrough cases, and I think that's another thing that has really been miscommunicated. Uh, I keep on going back to the example of Frank Reich, and uh, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They call him a breakthrough case, yet he's asymptomatic um, and he's vaccinated. Uh, that really shouldn't be considered a breakthrough case, right? Because that shows that the vaccine worked against the virus. Right. right. When you have these breakthrough cases that are mild, people should be cheering because that was because the vaccine stopped an infection from getting being worse than it was. Uh, the vaccines are working. The vaccines are designed not to stop every case, but to stop serious disease, hospitalization and death. And they're doing that 
tremendously, all three of the vaccines available in the United States. But we have to draw a distinction between breakthrough cases and breakthrough disease. Are we seeing people that are fully vaccinated get breakthrough infections that land them in the hospital? Not to very high, uh, to a very high degree. There are some, but it's really a minuscule number. The hospitals that, that have patients have unvaccinated patients. And I think we have to get to a point where we realize COVID is not going anywhere. This is going to be a disease we deal with all the time. It's going to be a respiratory, it's going to be an endemic respiratory infection. And what we have to do is try and tame it by vaccinating high-risk individuals. And we've done that in many states. There are some states where there's exceptions like Florida and and uh, in, in Kentucky and Arkansas and uh, in Missouri and Nevada, Louisiana, that we have to continue to, to focus on. But uh, th- this idea of COVID zero, we're trying to stop every mild case or to stop people who are fully vaccinated from having a common cold-like illness. I, I really don't think that should be driving policy. The policy should be driven towards the unvaccinated. You know, starting to just take a look at what the CDC was basing these new recommendations on, and it looks like they're kind of relying heavily on something that happened in Cape Cod, um, an outbreak of about 800 vaccinated uh, people, or I'm kind of parsing through this as I'm reading it. I don't know if that was all vaccinated or if that's the total number, but it's looking at a Cape Cod on 4th of July weekend, which I would imagine was a pretty big party, um, and it's a pretty small area where there's going to be a lot of people close together, uh, pretty prime for spreading out the virus. I Do you take any issue at all with how the CDC is uh, using just kind of this one case study and changing the recommendations based off of it? That's very insightful on your part, and I was going to bring that up, uh, so I'm glad you did. So, yes, what happened in Provincetown in Massachusetts, the, the question is how replicable is that or how applicable is that to everyday life? Because, yes, you're talking about a Fourth of July party where people were packed together, drinking, screaming and, and shouting. Is that representative of the average vaccinated person's life on a day in and day out basis? And how so it may not necessarily be applicable to real life situations. It might have been an extraordinary situation where they found out some important things about the virus. But how well that extrapolates to day to day living for the average person that's fully vaccinated, I, I think, remains a question. Uh, so so that's something that I think limits the kind of the the force of that guidance because it is based on basically a case study an important case study but one that may not really reflect what happens in everybody's life on on an ordinary basis and also i'd want to know a little bit more you know they talk about the cycle threshold which is a fancy term for how much virus the the pcr machine picks up or how quickly it picks it up i would want to know you know can they culture the virus from those vaccinated people that would be another important question not just that you're finding viral genetic material but is there actually cultivatable virus there Meaning, can it can it grow on cells? Speaking to testing of vaccinated people, uh, do you think if it, let me re, let me rephrase how I was going to say this? Do you think vaccinated people should go through normal testing, or do you think uh, because, as you mentioned, vaccinated people could test positive but not be sick, um, that could inflate cases when it really doesn't need inflating and send the wrong message? Well, there definitely have been detections of what I call pseudo outbreaks, because maybe, for example, a sports team might be just testing everybody irrespective of symptoms and irrespective of vaccination status. That, I think, needs to go away. We shouldn't be testing fully vaccinated asymptomatic individuals. The CDC guidance, however, has changed. And they say if you have a significant exposure uh, and you're fully vaccinated, you should get a test three to five days after that exposure, which is a new thing that they put in there. I don't know 
the value of that. Clearly, though, if you're a symptomatic person, if you get symptoms that are consistent with COVID, you should get tested irrespective of whether or not you've been vaccinated. But for the asymptomatic, I don't know the value of it, although the CDC guidance has changed when there's significant exposures. But that screening of screening to go into a TV studio, screening on a movie set, screening for major league sports teams, I think that probably does not need to be occurring unless you've got symptoms or or some kind of an outbreak situation. I think the routine part is just picking up cases that are not really clinically relevant and, and really confounding the matter. And, and the press loves to pick up, the press loves to magnify these, and I think it erodes confidence in the vaccine because, remember, the vaccines weren't designed to stop every breakthrough. They were, stopped, they were designed for serious disease, hospitalization, and death, and they're off the charts when it comes to that. Yeah, it, and it seems like even with this new information or what's being published from the CDC that – the vaccine is still holding up, even the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, despite some of those headlines we saw just a week ago with, uh, you know, oh, no, it might not be working as well uh, with the Delta variant based off of, you know, one study instead of what we're actually seeing in the real world. I, I There's a lot of, uh, I, I think, a vaccine um scare tactics almost. I don't know what else to call them going on in the last week that would lead you to believe that, they don't really work at all or that at the very least you need a cloth mask to make the vaccine work as intended. Right. I think that's because people don't re- aren't really clear on what of what we want a vaccine to do. We want a vaccine to reduce the morbidity, the mortality of this disease. And that means stopping people from needing to be hospitalized. And, and it's working tremendously. And remember that vaccines are not force fields. They're not bug zappers. Uh, that's not how they work. Uh, they, they produce immunity that once you're re-exposed, jumps into action and, uh, and makes that infection much, much less or aborts it or, or doesn't allow it to be productive, that's the vaccine working. So when I see these breakthrough cases are all mild, I say that's a win for the vaccine. But the press reports it as that's, that's a downside of the vaccine. It's the vaccine not working. But that's actually 1,000% wrong. And to look at the general picture, and this is something we've been you know kind of saying throughout the week here, when you have vaccines readily available just about every corner. You walk into any supermarket or pharmacy here and you can get a vaccine. No problem. No appointment needed. No check-in online before or anything like that. You can go in and get it if you wish. I Are we near a point where if we're not seeing hospitalizations jump because of the Delta variant, we're not seeing deaths jump because of the Delta variant, I vaccinated people are protected and the unvaccinated are making their choices too. Um, you know, are, in your opinion, are, are we near that point to just kind of leave most of this just behind us? Definitely, in certain states, we are. It, it, the only problem is, is that in certain places, Missouri is one place, some parts of Florida, Louisiana, that the unvaccinated are causing a problem for our hospitals. That they're that they're getting cases that are severe enough to land them in the hospital because there's high risk people that haven't been vaccinated. That's the issue that we have. And I think the next step is for private private employers to start thinking about mandating the vaccine as part of as a condition of employment, because that will increase their workforce resiliency, increase their workplace safety. But I mean, th- there comes a point where we're going to say that the unvaccinated have made their choice and and we and giving them money, giving them every incentive, giving them ev- giving them every opportunity to get the vaccine and they still refuse it. I don't know. I don't know how long you keep doing that before you say that, that we've, we've got, we, that we can't do anything more. And I think that's a, probably, obviously, something that the CDC has to think about because it's not a good situation to be in. But I think we're increasingly getting to a point where the people that wanted to be vaccinated 
have all gotten vaccinated. We haven't met Joe Biden's 70 percent goal by July 4th. That we, we still haven't met it yet. And I don't think we'll meet it by August 4th. It's, it's really trickling, although there has been some uptick, which is encouraging. I don't know what, what's going to happen. And I think we've never really been in this situation. People just assumed that, that people would want the vaccine and the U.S. would end this pandemic here because vaccine people would want would clamor for the vaccine the way they clamor for new iPhones. That's what I do when there's a new vaccine out. But that's just not what happened. And you can look and see what happened just across the border in Canada. They were really slow to get the vaccine to people. But they, when they when they got it, everybody got it. So looking at a state like New York, because you mentioned Florida, Missouri, but looking at a state like New York, do you think any kind of mask mandate restrictions will have any kind of effect on uh, the, the tiny surge that we're seeing in a county like Erie here in a state where we do have 70 percent vaccine? No, it, it depends. The people that we want to wear the masks, they're not wearing them and they're not getting vaccinated. So the, the marginal benefit of having vaccinated people wear masks for that really small chance that they might transmit, I, I don't think that's going to really change the trajectory. That's not that's kind of like a rounding error to me. I think it's not going to make a major, major difference. And there's a lot of downside to it. And I think we really have to focus on, on the un, unvaccinated. That's that's who's driving this. That's where the, the problem is. Speaking of the unvaccinated, because uh, we just got a text on our text board, and we hear this a lot. People who had COVID three or four months ago say, well, what about me? I have a natural immunity. Why should I go get in line for the vaccine? Uh, what, what should be the message to those individuals? It's true that you do, have, you do have natural immunity, and that immunity will likely make reinfection rarer for you than somebody who doesn't have that. And it also is likely to make your reinfection milder than it would be if you, if you didn't have that immunity. But what we know is that that immunity is unpredictable. We don't know the full duration of it. And we know, for example, in studies like what happened in the Johnson & Johnson trial in South Africa and the placebo arm, the people who didn't get the vaccine, there were a lot of breakthroughs in people who had been infected. And there the beta variant was very pop, uh, um, was very prevalent. So it, it is the case that natural immunity is something. It's not negligible. It's important. But it will get better and stronger and longer lasting with vaccine. And even just one dose of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine probably is sufficient for a fully vaccinated individual. And I wish the CDC would embrace that, that data and, and actually say that because that would increase vaccine uptake because many people who, that who have had COVID think, they're just completely neglecting natural immunity. But I mean, there is data to show one dose is probably enough. And I think that would probably get some of those people vaccinated and, and increase their immunity and be better for all of us. Uh, so much talk this week about the Delta variant, how it spreads, uh, everything else, and uh, a lot of attention on kids because a big part of that CDC recommendation was uh, continued masking in schools. And, you know, kids have suffered so much from the policies of covid but they suffer the least from COVID itself. And nothing, no data that I've seen has really changed that fact that, you know, being a kid, uh, being, you know, under 10 or under 12 or whatever age that you really want to put at it, uh, affords you amazing protection for whatever reason that is. Certainly not something I understand. Uh, but has anything changed in that? And, you know, a lot of people are wondering because we were planning for maybe a normal school year. And now this week, everything's kind of being thrown into the gear somewhere. Nothing has changed. It is true that children are generally spared the severe consequences of disease. And for a child less than the age of 12 years of age, influenza and RSV are bigger threats and probably take more lives than, than COVID-19 does. So I, I do think one of the questions to t think about when you're talking about small children uh, is, 
would you do this for influenza? Because that's kind of comparative when it comes to smaller children. And I think that's something that people don't really think about. And it is true that children have suffered tremendously during the pandemic, not because of anything the virus did to them, but what adults did to them and what teachers unions did to them. So I think that we, we, we really have to have in-school, in-person schooling as the norm, the default, and we have to do whatever we can to, to make that happen. And one of the things we can do is school districts can mandate teachers be vaccinated. The teachers demanded the vaccine, access to the vaccine uh, to open schools, which wasn't necessary because we had data that it could be done safely. They demanded access to it, but now they don't want to have a mandate for it. So I think teachers should be forced to, to, to get the vaccine as a condition of their employment. Um, and, and that will help. That will, that's the biggest thing that would make the resiliency of the school better. The more vaccinated people in a school, the safer it's going to be, the less disruptive it's going to be from COVID-19. So a vaccine mandate, the school district should put a vaccine mandate in place for, for their teachers. Dr. Amesh Adilija, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, always great to hear from the experts. And he's uh, been with us a few times here on this program. Great to hear from Dr. Adalja. We'll be talking a little bit about what he said when we come back here. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. That time. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Your last chance to win Luke Bryan tickets. He'll be at Darien Lake August 14th, 2021. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Caller number four is 644-9875. Wins a pair of tickets from Live Nation. Live Nation all in. $20 tickets to select shows. Go to livenation.com for details. There you go. Last chance to uh, get that. But uh, you still have a chance to buy those $20 all-in tickets. Uh, yes. Promoting. Pretty cool promotion that they do. Back to live. Uh, you know, we had our uh, Dr. Amesha Dalja from Johns Hopkins University on and uh, talk, you know, 
following the science. So I'm going to follow the science. I was buying tickets to go to the science museum. Oh. My son and, you know, we're going to go there at some point in the next few days. Uh, they have like a guitar exhibit too. So he'll like looking at all the taxidermy and then I'll like looking at the guitars. And then there's, you know, other stuff for kids to do there. There's always the fun thing with water and oil, yeah, right? All that stuff. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. But I'm buying the tickets. You have to buy tickets online uh, to go there. And so, you know, when you're buying stuff online um, and you have to fill out your name, obviously, and sometimes there's the drop down box for the prefix. Right. You know, you Mr., Mrs. So usually you don't have to fill that out. I don't think twice about it, but it was required, which is like a little odd. So, you know, it was like one of those starred items. I don't know why, but so then, okay, I hit the drop down menu, you know, expecting to scroll through a, a few things and... It had, I mean, there was like 70 things on this list. I, uh, congressman, assembly person. Congressman? I mean, uh, Mr. <laughs> every prefix you could ever think of was on this list. And I'm thinking, like, I'm rolling through. Like, I, I'm just trying to find Mr. What am I? So I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I'm like, you know what? If I have to put a prefix here, I'm going with Reverend. Reverend well, you, Brian Mazarowski. You are. And that, I technically am. Yes. So why not be recognized as such? You know, we still haven't uh, had anyone come forward that they want to get married on the show. Uh, that Fridays is, getting married by, uh, with Brian. Still an open offer. We'll do uh, wedding Fridays <laughs> here on BMAS and Beamer if you want to just skip right to it, get a nice uh, quick ceremony in, and we'll even have you on the air after. Right. If you really want. I mean, uh, Good Morning America or Getting Married by Brian Mazarowski. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's an easy choice. I don't I don't even think uh, like Roker does the no. uh, marriages. No, it's not even else. a named person. It's just someone else. Uh, so, yeah, that's still up there. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought I hope on my ticket. I didn't look at it yet. But I hope it says Reverend on my ticket. Oh, yeah. That would, <laughs> that would make me feel pretty good about myself. But anyways, we had Dr. Adalja on. Uh, talking a lot about the CDC new recommendations, uh, and, and I think a few key points from him talking. He does not really agree with the recommendations, uh, especially now looking at the data that's coming out from the CDC this morning, which is what they were basing it on. They're relying heavily on this outbreak in Provincetown to you know, understand the Delta variant. And his, uh, Dr. Adalja's issue with this is not just this specific instance, but any instance, if you're a scientist and you're just r- basing this on one small uh, little cluster of you know, 800 cases out of you know, all the cases that we see across the country every day, and that you're drawing broad brushes and broad strokes based off of one thing, which, by the way, was Provincetown, a small town on the 4th of July weekend with packed bars, packed uh, cottages, packed everything. I think they're pretty old buildings there, probably don't have uh, you the, know, best the latest MERV filter on all of their <laughs> window AC units. Uh, But it might have been an ideal position for the virus to spread. And that's kind of where they're basing this data off of. So he was taking a little issue with that. And you could see that. And then also the wording of this. And you'll hear this a lot today. And this was the uh, New York Times uh, headline that uh, the virus can spread like chicken pox, even among the uh, vaccinated. And if you dive into the slides that the CDC, uh, that's not exactly true very misleading I mean, it can spread a little bit 
uh, between the vaccinated people, but it's not in the same way that it is unvaccinated. Right. You're reading all these headlines this morning that makes it seem like, well, if you're vaccinated, you could still spread the virus, which if it was true, would completely fly in the face of the argument of unvaccinated people being selfish, right? And spreading it to everybody else. Because now all you're having is everyone pointing to, well, the CDC now says, even if you're vaccinated, you can spread it. So why would you be worried? You shouldn't feel any more or less comfortable no matter who you're around when that's not really what the data is showing. And even if it was what the data was showing, it's based off of such a small little sample that I don't know if you can draw these conclusions for the rest of the country based off of it. And, and, and the point remains the same, Brian, and it's nice to hear an expert, to hear a doctor say what you and I have been saying, because people might question us. Uh, <laughs> what we've been saying is that vaccinated people, the vaccine is working. And the way that some in the media blow these breakthrough cases out of proportion If you have a mild case from COVID and you're vaccinated, that means the vaccine worked. And it was so nice to hear uh, the doctor say that and to also uh, say what we've heard uh, Dr. Nancy Nielsen also say that vaccinated asymptomatic people should not be tested. It doesn't help anything. I like the way he put it because it kind of simplifies things, right? It's not a force field or a a bug zapper. Bug zapper, yes. Uh, Right. It doesn't, you know, kill COVID as it you know enters your body it prepares your immune system to do just that so uh, that's i think that's a good way of illustrating what it is and then he said something at the very end that of course is you know the always controversial vaccine mandate and his argument which i thought was very interesting to look at because he among all the doctors saying that kids need to be in school they need to have a normal school year starting this fall, well, maybe starting right now to help make up on what they've missed out right. on the past year and a half. But kids need to have a normal school year and we need to do everything possible. And he was saying mandating the vaccine amongst teachers would be a good option in his mind. And the way he framed his argument, I think I think it was uh, maybe even turning the ears of people who are very much against any sort of vaccine mandate. And I know we've said on this, I certainly have, that I'm very wary of any mandate. I think any mandate probably works against the end goal that you're trying to achieve and isn't, you know, you're allowed to make your choice here in America. Like that is, we're not Australia where um, just one of the news agencies early this morning uh, sent out that police are saying if there's another protest about their lockdowns, they're promising a show of force like no other. That's a warning from police to the people of Australia. Wow. And we are not that nation. No. We are not a nation like that where if you protest, if you speak your mind, if you go about your business and you don't hurt other people, that you're going to witness a show of force like no other. Yeah, that's not happening here in America. So that's one of the reasons people are very uh, you know, hesitant, myself included, to putting any sort of mandate or agreeing with a mandate. Mm-hmm. But I would like to take his idea and twist it just a little bit. Because his thinking on this was, well, schools were kept closed a lot by teachers and strong teachers unions. And this is, you know, part of the Science 101 that never 
really made sense that left-leaning uh, places with strong unions were more likely to have schools closed than places that had weaker teachers' unions. Right. And you tell me how that's scientifically making sense at all? It's not? No. It's, it's all political? Like the moment that uh, Donald Trump said he was for schools reopening, everyone had a knee-jerk reaction. Well, no, we, we, well, we can't do that. Well, we have to be against that. You know, everyone turns their brain off and opposes it just to go against what he said instead of actually looking at the right information that you should be. Right. Well, now, his argument was, okay, these teachers and teachers' unions, were, and we heard it here on the program, were saying, and they were keeping schools closed by saying that we need to have everyone vaccinated to open schools. And that's part of the reason why there was such a delay in getting schools open. Yep. So he was saying, well, if that was your reasoning and we kept schools closed because of you, well, then we should now mandate that you get vaccinated so we can return to school and, you know, or else you can't return to school. I, you know, that maybe a softer way of looking at it, just as effective uh, without making it a mandate from the school would be, well, you need to be vaccinated so we can return to normal school or you're not protected by the teachers union anymore. That was threatening that if we don't have these vaccinations, we can't open school. Well, we have the vaccinations now. You said you wanted to keep them. Apparently, that was the reason we kept schools closed right. for over a year. Uh, so maybe if you twist it that way, I think it's a very interesting argument to look at it um, in those terms, at least. Yeah, no, uh, I, I completely agree. And I don't see an excuse to not have schools back 100% students in the classrooms. Uh, we talked about this a little yesterday, Brian. We, we can't have even partial uh, of the year uh, to be anything that resembled last year. But I, I think it was interesting to listen to Dr. Adalsha, how yeah. he kind of and you know, I like what he said. I like what he said about mask mandates. Now he said they won't work. You know, it, it, it's not it's not doing the job that you need. It's not getting the message across. And it's exactly what what we've been saying when it comes to trying to get people vaccinated to tell them pretty much the opposite of the vaccine working. It's not going to get people who are hesitant to be any less hesitant. Which, I mean, what he was pointing out was aside from the data, and we brought this up a couple times over the week, you look at when the mask mandate was put in place right? Uh, back in May, May 19th, there was 147 local COVID hospitalizations. Now, months later, it's around 40. So those numbers are dropping without the masks. Right. And that's not an outlier. That was happening in Texas when they were called Neanderthals and the cases were dropping, even though they lifted their mandate, happened in other areas. There was areas where after the mandate was put on, cases rose uh, in many parts of the world. So the data around the mandate itself is suspect, I think, at best in terms of is it really making a difference in public health? Uh, we hear most of the spread happens inside of your home. Right. where you're not wearing a mask to begin with. So what difference does it actually make? But the cost-benefit thing that he brought up, and we've been saying, like, how no one in that room, or maybe it's probably no one in that Zoom call, right, if we're dealing with the CDC, right. is raising the hand, clicking the little button, or whatever you have to do, to say, uh, wait a second, you know, is this going to do enough good to outweigh all the bad that we're doing to our organization of seemingly flip-flopping on the issue and making this recommendation that a lot of people are not going to agree with, a lot of people see with their own eyes, might not make that much of a difference. 
Is this going to do enough good to outweigh the impact on public trust it's going to have on us? That nobody did that is stunning to me. Or if that person wasn't listened to, that's stunning to me. That was backed up by the doctor earlier this uh, segment. That is the part that I just could not believe that they thought it would be a good idea to say, hey, wait a second, all this stuff we've been saying about a vaccine, it's still true. But also, maybe it's not true. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's unbelievable that that was the message. You're talking about a room of, you know, people that are doctors. They're they're smart. You think they would know how to read people. I, I think, Brian, the second thing you say, I think the latter is true. Someone probably said something and they said, never mind, we're still going forward. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Somebody had to have raised their hand, right? Yeah. Come on. I, you, you can't have a board of people that didn't. That one person said, wait a minute, this sounds confusing. Yeah, I don't know. I, it it doesn't read like following the science. It reads like following the TV stories, right? right. It reads like following uh, some of this, and it's a more of a politics-based approach, as a lot of things have been, and it's uh, the credibility is dwindling even amongst a lot of the experts who we talk to on a daily basis here on WBEN. Yep. So I... That that was the uh, you're going to hear a lot of uh, what the CDC had to say. Going to hear a lot of that data, uh, but that's putting it into a little bit of perspective. The scare, uh, you know, the, the, when you hear chickenpox on the headline uh, later on tonight, which right. it will be, you know, spreads like chickenpox. To get a little bit of perspective as to what it actually says in those slides is pretty good. You have to remember, headlines are to get you to click on the story. And usually the headlines are going to be something like that, right, Brian? Or to keep you listening, to keep you watching. The headlines are going to be, oh, my gosh, this Delta variant, it spreads so easily. But, you know, look at the data, listen to the experts. And um, I think the doctor was, like I said to start this segment, was so correct to say how overblown some of these case numbers are in the media. Yeah. Um, Well, I thought it was – we were actually going to uh, open back up the – New York State Thruway Authority complaint line here yes. after a, a story that was on Channel 2 last night about just how widespread the overcharging is when it comes to Easy Pass. And I, I was actually thinking about COVID and the Easy Pass uh, this week and how it ties together. And how, you know, sometimes it's not totally rational, but it, because it, we were talking about the vaccine mandate and how you are with uh, telling people if you've been vaccinated or not. And, you know, we both said, you know, eh, we're pretty open. And I said, I'm open. I don't, I don't really care telling people who doesn't work. But for some reason, it's, you know, you ask me to show a card. You ask me to show proof. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, why? You know, why? I, I, I get into that defensive mode. And I was thinking about Easy Pass like this. Because what's been over the last year when the cashless tolling was put in? And now I have another bill in my uh, that I just got yesterday of, you know, two plus dollars for traveling uh, two minutes on the throughway <laughs> because it wasn't with an easy pass. Oh, and yeah. what does everyone say? And my wife was the uh, first one on this list of people who said this. Well, just get the easy pass. You know, what's the big deal? Just, you know, put the easy pass get on Get the there. easy pass. You know, why don't you get the easy pass? Then you're not going to pay all that much money. Right. And it's just, it. I don't think it's a good argument, but it's the best argument because my argument against it is, well, Why? why what's why why do i have to you know why do i if they're reading your license plate or they're reading an easy pass why should it matter which one but if it's an easy pass the toll's only 15 cents why why 
Oh, nothing's changing. Oh, I don't know the answer why. I'm just telling you that's why I ha- that's why I have an right? easy pass. There's no one working, um, you know, on the thing, right? <laughs> it's just a machine. Right. It reads your. It either reads your easy pass or it reads your license plate. It's a difference of uh, fifteen cents. But but why uh, is there? There's no rationale to it. Cost difference between reading one versus reading the other. Yeah, there's no rationale. I mean, what if I don't want to get an? Oh, why don't you want to get an easy pass? I just don't. But, this might be a reason why you don't want an easy pass because you're like me and think, wow, I'm only paying 15 cents. Right? And then this happens in many cases. This is the story off Channel 2. 59,000 affected easy pass customers because the toll misread. In most cases, the toll read the license plate instead of the easy pass. So you could have the easy pass where you've had it for 20 years. And instead, these new readers are only reading the license plate, which makes what Brian's saying makes a lot of sense. Well, then why even have the secondary easy pass? These things aren't even reading them. uh, Hey, you're paying way more. Well, at least I know what I'm paying. (laughs) At least I'm keeping track of what I'm paying here because, I mean, you have people who are paying, I mean, like $50 every few weeks because they're being overcharged on $59,000. 59,000 people had their license read instead of their easy pass. It's not the first time we brought this up, Brian. It was okay, there's you know a thousand, two thousand cases. 59,000. And those are the only That's ones. That's an epidemic. And those, oh, those, we need to shut it down. <laughs> we need quick action. To stop the epidemic of people being overcharged because 59,000 cases is a lot. And that's only to the ones that have reported it yet. I mean, there are people listening to us right now, Brian. Oh, I have saying, no idea. Right. Oh, but that's not happening to me. It reads my Easy Pass. Is it? Because until I downloaded the Easy Pass app, I didn't think that was happening to me. And then I got a bill for $800 because, in violations. So. <laughs> I, but I, that's, I was thinking about the two just in the same, where it's sometimes you don't have a good reason. But your no good reason is a good reason, if that it yes, all makes sense that to you. makes sense in this context. Like, you know, why? Just what difference does it make? That's, right. It's not a good reason, but it's the best reason. It's the perfect reason. Why? I, I don't want to do something that I don't want to have to uh, do. And I, it relates to COVID. It relates to Easy Pass. I think it probably relates to a lot of things in life. Also, the uh, New York State Thruway. I know I haven't been the kindest over the last few weeks toward the New York State Thruway. But what's taking you so long at the border, at the state border? It is still um, half toll booth, half uh, construction, and one lane entering, one lane leaving the state. Uh, I've been to the state border now twice in the last week, and the wait to get out of New York State, it's absolutely ridiculous. Trying to keep you in. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's it's taking you that long to get all the toll booths down here have been taken down and repaved. And at the not border, all of them, by the way. I, you travel around. The, we were in Rochester a few weeks oh, ago. I mean, in Western and, New York. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you've got all that done. And at the border, the first thing you see when you come into the state, it's still a mess. And I'm being kind when I'm saying a mess, Brian, because I don't want to break any FCC uh, violations. Yeah. I don't know um, personally how hard it is to tear those up, but it seems like based on some of the other construction projects I've seen around here and some of the great work that they're doing rebuilding the bridges, seems like that could have been done have, right. uh, if we knew that was coming. Uh, my, <laughs> you said the first thing you see coming into Western New York or to New York State is a mess. That's not entirely true. The first thing you see coming into New York State is a sign. A sign, it says, I'm sure somewhere there's a sign that says, welcome to New York, but even more important, there's a big sign, yellow sign, big bull black letters that says, 
We will bill you. <laughs> yeah. well, welcome to New tolls York. Tolls by mail. The big tolls by mail <laughs> sign. We will bill you. I'm like, wow. You know, nice you, nice you, place you got here. You enter Pennsylvania, no toll, a beautiful <laughs> welcome center. New York, no welcome center. If you have to go to the bathroom, you have to wait 10 miles. And we're going to charge you as soon as you get over that line. <laughs> we will bill you. I laugh every time I see it, um, just to hide the tears a little bit. But, hey, thanks for hanging out with us. This, what a week. Yeah. John Taffer in here. The do- I mean, the experts in everything from cocktails to infectious diseases. And uh, I'll tell you, though. And you get everything in between. The second show in a row, though, without that margarita. Things need to change on Monday. I We can make that happen. Uh, no one's, people still aren't back, right? They came back the one day. Yeah, I don't know. They're not it, back here. It, it was a, fant- a phantom return date because was, I haven't seen anyone since. It was just one. I think we can probably get away with it uh, next week if no one's still back. Sounds good to me. Hey, have a great week, and we'll see you Monday on Beamaz and Beamer. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 